theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Praise God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. I'm going to read this verse in particular from the Passion Translation. Thank you, Cassandra, for introducing me to the Passion Translation. Praise God. And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Isn't that so good? Do you realize that everyone gets to benefit from what God is doing in your life? Praise God. How many of you want God to light up your life? John chapter 1 says that in him was life. And the light of man was shown in the darkness, and the darkness did not know how to comprehend it. So what happens in this place is that God turns the light on and does the work on the inside of you. Watch this. And the intent of the work of God in your heart is for everybody in the house to benefit from. What kind of sense does it make for God to do a work in your life and turn the light on and you hide it? But everybody in the house is supposed to benefit from what God is doing in your life. Let's look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 1. This is uh, out of the New Living. Here it goes. We're going to read 11 verses. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of spikenard. Let me see, because that's not on the screen, so I'm just going to make sure I'm of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared. John will just call you out. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus. Remember I told you what God does in someone should be on display for everybody. See Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. They had already decided to kill Jesus. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Boy, I tell you, there's no demilitarized zone in this thing. Praise God. Woo! I want to preach by the help of the Holy Ghost. Heart of this house. The heart of this house. Would you lift your hands with me and help me pray? Pray with me. Lord, I'm just asking you today to help me to preach and to teach. I pray that there would just be a joy in this place that would break open as we open up your word and that there would come revelation from your Holy Spirit. Lord, give me insight, but let the Spirit of God, which gives revelation, I pray as we go beyond insight, beyond cliches and tweetable sayings, that we go into a place of revelation that begins to transform our hearts today. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened that we may know. I pray that the spirit of revelation be granted in this house today. I pray for people who are hungry for God's word. We're coming to a place 
and posture of alignment with the Word of God, that the Word of God would not just bounce off their ears, and it would not just be sound ways, but may the very voice of God speak to us today. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Bless this place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Come on, if you love him, would you clap your hands unto him? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Look at your neighbor, high-five him, and tell him, I've been waiting for this. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. That's my song too, Praise God. Everybody calm down. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And the stanky leg, they just praise God. <laughs> Got to act up, boy. I'll be feeling that thing. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing at Extraordinary Church. I give God praise. This past Sunday, uh, we talked about being, uh, or not talked about being a house in conflict, but we talked about houses in conflict. And building and being the kind of house and the kind of culture that Jesus wants to come in. I'm going to continue to kind of pound this home, to drive this home as long as he will allow me to, especially for a few more minutes today, because I really feel like God wants to drive this point home in our spirits. The reason for this is because when you take religion or you are in the context of religion, most religious spirits convince people that they are always right and that they can't be taught anything. Somebody talk back to me. One sign of a religious person, if you're not sure what a religious person looks like, is they are unteachable. Now, don't misunderstand my heart here. I'm not vilifying religion, but what I'm talking about is religion won't change anybody's life, but a relationship with Jesus Christ will transform you. Can somebody testify to that? But most religious spirits convince people that they're right and they can't be taught anything. You, you Surely at some point you've met a religious person. They are the only ones that are right in the room. And they know most everything. Boy, isn't it cra it, it's crazy. You can share something, and they're just like, yeah, like, like they, know, they know everything all the time. And in reality, they don't even know the Lord. I want us to know him. I don't want us to be religious. How many want to be free from religion? Come on, how many of you want to know Jesus in, a, in your life in a very, very real way? Can somebody say Amen. How many want this atmosphere and this culture of this house to be one where Jesus has his way and he wants to come and be with us every time we gather? I'm not interested in a visitation. I want a habitation. I want to build something that God knows he's more than welcome every time to do what he wants to do. I'm not interested in a program and a part. I want him to come and have his way. If you're thankful for that kind of church culture, say amen. Now, I talked about houses, and we, we talked about I would encourage you, go back next week, or last week, excuse me, and watch that in the event that you missed it. Uh, but Lazarus's house is an interesting house. Lazarus's house has a, a few dynamics at play that I want to highlight here. There's some dynamics in the atmosphere and the culture of Lazarus's house that we need to pay attention to, EC fam. And as God takes us on this journey of establishing and decreeing and declaring and becoming the kind of culture, the kind of place that is like heaven on earth, we need to understand what we need, what we need to come in. And we have to understand what we need to push out or what needs to be expelled. We need to understand what God's trying to bring to us and what he's trying to deliver us from. How many of you want to be a place where Jesus reigns? Praise God. I'm thankful both hands should be up in there. How many want to have a house that's like heaven on earth? Praise God. How many understand that what happens in this house bleeds over to your house? Praise God. I want that to be the case in my life. And so last Sunday we talked about culture and we talked about the atmosphere of the house. And in order to understand what kind of culture and atmosphere God wants to put in this house, actually, as a matter of fact, culture and atmosphere isn't something that God puts into place. 
Let me clarify that. It's actually what the people decide to come into unity about. Until unity. See, unity is never something that God gives people. Unity is something that God blesses when he finds it. That was like, like I got like three. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Pastor Bramson. Unity is never something that God gives us. Unity is something that God blesses when he finds it. He doesn't come down and make me agree with Andre. He doesn't come down and make me agree with Stephen. No, but God blesses unity. Unity is something we decide on. Here's something that I would consider. I would go to a church that I found unity in agreement with. Because the 133rd Psalm, there is no suggested blessing. When God finds unity, there's only a commanded blessing. Whew. See, when, when God finds whoever, whoever will endeavor to walk in unity, together in unity, he will open up heaven over that place and release a measure of oil that touches the crown of the head to the sole of their feet. The entire body is commanded to walk in blessing. When unity is in a church, that church gets blessed. So the Bible says, 133rd Psalm, when God finds unity, it's like the oil, praise God, that touches the head of Aaron, goes down the beard all the way down to the skirts of his garments. See, what's happening is the gravity of God's grace is pulling on the oil of God's blessing from the top of the body all the way down to the bottom of the body. And many churches, many churches, some people walk in blessing, but not the entire church family. And I'll tell you where the blessing stops. It's where it finds division. But if we're going to walk in commanded blessing, it'll be because our hearts are set on the very thing that God is calling us to. And we have common heart. Can somebody say amen? God has gathered us from all different places of life with different preferences that we possess. And we all come into this place by the grace of God with one mind and one accord. Why do you think the Spirit of God moved in such a great way on the day of Pentecost? It was powerful, not just because God showed up, but God showed up because they decided they would walk in unity before God ever showed up. And when you have a house that is divided, you've got him against him and her against her and this schism and this ism and this click and that clack. I know clack is not a click, but it just sounded like I didn't want to repeat click again. We somehow revel in all of our differences. Can I tell you, somebody that revels in all of our differences can quickly become divisive. But we're not here to be divisive in the body of Christ. We're here to be together and united. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3 that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Let me hear you. Yes, I completely understand. There's a difference between division. There's a difference between difference and division. But if you're not careful, you'll allow your differences to become divisive. You better watch out. And this is why you have to understand this. Division always promotes defeat. Unity always promotes the blessing and the favor of God. That's why I want to be on the same page, praise God, with the people of God. I want Extraordinary Church to be a united church. And I believe we are a united church, singing the same song and understanding our purpose and our mission and our vision. This is the kingdom of God. And the culture of the kingdom is in this house. This is not our house. This is not BK. Have it your way. But BK. Yeah. Now, I know there's more people that eat Burger King. Actually, I don't really care for Burger King, but y'all know y'all know the commercial. Praise God. Yeah, 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 I understand. I understand. I ain't mad at you. But this is not have it our way. This is he gets whatever he wants. And, 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 and I've talked with pastors 
all throughout because they're frustrated and they, they declare they want certain things in their local assemblies that they serve. Uh, I want there to be freedom. I, I want there to be the gifts of the Spirit. I, I want there to be freedom in worship. I want people to dance and I want people to say amen and I want people to lift their hands and I want people to give and I want people to be healed and I want people to be saved and I want diversity. But when you listen to them preach, the preaching is good, Pastor Barry, but they're not addressing what's wrong in the house. Listen, we can get frustrated about what you don't, well, actually you can't. How can you get frustrated about what you're unwilling to correct? I know parents, ain't no, I hope there's no parents in this place, but I've, I've seen them. You ever been in the mall or in the restaurant and the kid is having a complete meltdown? And I'm not throwing any shade or whatever, but I'm like, you know what? And you can just tell them like, oh, and, I, and I'm like, there's a little bit more than just, oh, One session, and I can have that fixed real quick. What am I saying? No, I ain't telling you you got to wild out and be like, you know, but every once in a while, boy, boy, you get it. It's amazing how that will fix that. What am I saying? At some point, we got to correct some stuff. Even in our own lives, you and I have got to be willing to correct some stuff. Ooh. I just want to make sure as we're going forward into 2024, we're all on the same page. And anybody can bring baggage, anybody can bring baggage from a previous stop and understand that this is a good place to be free from it. But this is not the place for you to plant your flag in the ground and say, well, you know what, that's just not who I am. That's not who we're going to be. We're going to be a people of diversity. We are going to be a people of the spirit, a people of healing, a people of deliverance, a people of the gifts of the spirit, a people of the operation of the power of God. That's who we are. We'll have the prayer room experience every Friday. We have prayer uh, before we get started with church from about 240 to 255. I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that because we want you to tap into what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. That's why you feel what you feel because there are people in there praying, declaring the kingdom of God is here and that hand and we want to move of God. We'll be a people of prayer. We understand that there's something to contend for something to pray about, something to war over. We're not here just to take up space. There's a generation that has to know him, know that he's still alive and well, and we just don't want people to have some type of routine experience with God. But I want to see lives transformed. I want to see God do something supernatural in our midst, and we've made up our minds that we will be the people that will host the kingdom of God when God is trying to manifest his glory. We're here to say, God, if you want to do it, however you want to do it, when you want to do it, who you want to do it through, you can use me. If that's your heartbeat, give him praise. We need unity, and I'm not just saying unity. I'm not saying we're not in unity. I'm just saying I want to keep this before us. As we make declarations and we preach the word of God about what kind of church he's making us to be. So how we were talking about the culture of this house. What do people feel when they walk in? Praise God. Thank you. Love. That's, this is when we talk. I, I, I want people to, the moment they drive up to the, in the parking lot, what do people experience when they drive up? What kind of encounter do they have? See, we want this to be a house where Jesus comes because we understand that lives are changed when his kingdom comes and he can have his way to invade. That's the only way people are going to experience an extraordinary life in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to have some routine, mundane, route, mechanical, robotic existence. I want a little extra on my ordinary. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I've told y'all this before. But we're allergic to average and mediocrity. We're allergic to the ordinary because in ordinary love, just only two people. Help me, Jesus. But in ordinary love, I'm going to have to help y'all with the commission. But listen. 
An ordinary love won't do, but an extraordinary love will transform you. An extraordinary love will transcend political affiliations and spectrums. An extraordinary love will transcend ethnicities. An extraordinary love will transcend demographics. An extraordinary love will let people know that God is here and real and transcends all of the foolishness to bring us together. This is the heart of this house. This is the heart of this house, and I want you to check this out because I want to be. But the question is, will we be together the house that allows Jesus to, to lay down and rest and reign? Did he not say foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head? I believe Jesus is looking for a place to establish his rest and his reign. He is looking for a place. Will we be that place? And so, look, check out Lazarus' house. I want you to check this out. Because I believe with all of my heart this afternoon, Jesus is not just saying this about other places. I believe he's saying this about extraordinary church. And think about it. If he came by our house, what kind of house would he find? What kind of house would he find? What kind of culture? Would it be one where he can dwell, where he can habitate, if you will? Uh, and if you know, if you know the kind of house Jesus likes to go to, then wouldn't it make sense to create that kind of space so that he can show up and have his way? Watch this. Watch this. Jesus comes to a place in Bethany, and he goes to somebody's house in particular. The first house he goes to is a dude named Lazarus' house. Now, there's a lot of stuff, fam, if you read the text and you understand the historical context and you read the other accounts of what's happening here, there's something going on in this house. Watch it. There's many things going on in this house that attract Jesus. It, it, it captured his attention. And the first thing that I want you to see about this house is that this house was filled with a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus represents the people who have been saved and rescued. Now, I will remind you that this house was full of a man named Lazarus. But if you want to understand why that's so powerful, what you have to do is you have to go back and read John chapter 11. And John chapter 11 will inform you that Lazarus, just a chapter previous, was dead laying in a tomb. Now we flip over into chapter 12, and he's no longer in a tomb. He's sitting at the table with Jesus. Oh, my God. Y'all going to have to help me. I need you. The first thing that, the first thing that gets his attention, the first thing that is an attractant to the Lord Jesus Christ is a house that knows how to celebrate. I came by to tell you right now that Jesus comes to places that know how to party. That's what was happening there in John chapter 12. was not just some dinner party. You need to read it. You need to have a moment. They were having a feast, translation in 21st modern vernacular. They were having a party in Jesus' honor. Y'all can sit there all you want to. But they literally threw a party and said, we're going to come here and give God thanks to celebrate that our brother Lazarus, who was dead, is now alive. How in the world can you not praise God in just one chapter before? Dead, stinky, four days in going. And now the man is alive and well, sitting at the table of Jesus. I just came by to tell you this afternoon that when we learn how to celebrate, People going from a tomb to the table. People coming out of death and destruction and heartache. And now they're sitting at the table of the Lord, able to feast on his goodness and mercy. Understand that in all his life, he's been faithful. We better learn to celebrate because God has pulled people out of darkness. He's pulled them out of confusion. Somebody ought to give him glory. We got to learn how to celebrate the transforming work of Jesus Christ. I give God praise for every ex-alcoholic. I give God praise for every ex-drug addict, every ex-abuser, every ex-extortioner, 
every ex-liar. I celebrate what God is doing. You may have been jacked up. You may have been broke, busted, and disgusted. You may have been a cancer patient. You may have been lost and undone. But look, look what the Lord has done. And the reason we come to celebrate is he moved you from the tomb to the table. Is anybody glad you're seated at the table? I've come to tell you today, Jesus come to houses where you can celebrate. And I got news for you. If you can't celebrate what God is doing in your brother or sister's life, you're not qualified to come to this house. Oh. Because in this atmosphere and in this culture, we'll celebrate when one lost sheep comes home. We don't look like, where you been? About time. That's, that's, what, that's, what, that's the religious. That's the religious. The religious don't even go talk to them, but look. Oh, they finally decided to show up. No, 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 no. That's not what this house is all about. This house, we look and say, we're so glad you're here. We love you. Come on, have a seat with us. We rejoice in what God is doing in your life. Do you realize that the angels in heaven go crazy over one that repents? And Lazarus was dead in a tomb. Now he's at the table. Doesn't look like what he used to look like. Oh, y'all not going. 24 hours. Doesn't look like what he used to look like. Doesn't smell. Maybe that was just me, but I thought they did say he stunk. He don't stink anymore. And you know, if he did, his family would have told him so. Praise God. Y'all act like, you're like, woo. Why? Because the Lord has done a work in his life and set him free. See, let me help you understand. In this house, we must be a people who will celebrate the resurrection of other people. In fact, I call Extraordinary Church to be a house of honor. A we'll, we'll build a culture of honor and celebration. Why? And you know what? Oh, don't even get me started. You know why some people don't celebrate others? Because they have a nasty attitude. And that's exactly why God woke me up today to preach to you. You with the nasty attitude. Because that spirit will keep you bound and limited. And you'll never walk in the fullness that God has for you until you can celebrate somebody else. We want followers. We want shares. We want likes. By the way, I do want that on our Facebook page. The church's Facebook page. I could care less about. I could. I, <laughs> anyway, I ain't going to get into my personal views on it. But you know what? I came to tell you. Quit striving for the likes of many. Start, start living for the love of one. Let him be the object of your love. Wake up every morning knowing that he loves you. And if nobody else follows you, if nobody else likes your comment or your post, know that Jesus is with you and for you. And you've got to learn how to celebrate what God is doing in somebody else's life. That's the kind of culture that God wants to build at Extraordinary Church. All right, I'm going to just give you a test. You know, because we have to learn how to be happy for others. Praise God. We got to learn how to be happy for others. We need a good old revival of being happy for others. Has anybody, anybody in 2024 received a raise or a promotion or got a new job in 2024? If so, stand to your feet. That's what we should be doing. We should be celebrating and clapping and dancing and rejoicing because God is pouring out his blessing. And let me just tell you, here, you can be seated, but you, did, you need to do a quick look. If somebody was around you, for those that stood up and they weren't clapping, I'm giving you permission right now. Get your Bible. Come sit right next to Sarah and me, because we will celebrate what God is doing in your life. We will celebrate. 
And here's another reason why you need to celebrate. Because if he did it with somebody sitting in your row, he'll do it for you. That means God is moving in your neighborhood. And all you've got to do is rejoice because the blessing is on the way. We rejoice and celebrate with others. That's why when people get baptized here, we're not all solemn and dignified. I come out in a robe. I ain't fronting on anybody that wears a robe. Like you just, you come and you wear your, it's, this is informal and liturgical and ritualistic. We celebrate. We celebrate somebody's about to take the name of Jesus Christ on and all of their sins are about to be washed away. The old man is going to be buried and the new man is going to be raised to life. I'm going to dance. I'm going to jump. I'm going to wave my hands. I'll hold a sign. Why? Because we celebrate at Extraordinary Church. This is who we are. This is who we are. And here's the thing. I want you to understand. See, Lazarus is dead and now he's alive. And they're having a feast to celebrate his resurrection. You know what's crazy? I told you I want to be biblical. I want to be a biblically behaving church, a biblically believing church. And the Bible says, I said this earlier, but I didn't complete my statement. It says that all of heaven rejoices over one Lexine, one that repents, one that repents, one that repents, one that repents, not baptized, not filled, but repents. All of heaven If we don't do what heaven does when people repent, it's not heaven on earth. When people repent at Extraordinary Church, all of Extraordinary Church should rejoice. People are orienting their life around Jesus Christ, coming into alignment with the kingdom. That's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to give God praise. That's a reason to rejoice. And but the religious folk, well, just give him one week. Just give her three weeks. I follow her on Instagram. I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a really like her stuff now so I can track what's got going on in her life. Give, give, give them a week, and they'll be back doing what you know they know all they know how to do. Yeah, you know what? That, that, that might happen. But what if God gets a hold of them and turns their world upside down? Let me just push back on this religious spirit for a moment. Praise God. I thank God for every church mama that encouraged me. I thank God for every church mama that didn't give up on me. I'm going to shout them out. I'm going to shout out Mama Debbie Fuller who encouraged me, told me it wasn't over and that God's hand was on my life. I'm thankful for Louise Hickman who is now with the Lord who encouraged me and strengthened me and blessed me. My God, when I first came into this thing, do you realize I got saved 85,000 times. I must have received the Holy Ghost 23 million times. Because I was like, oh, God, Wednesday night didn't make no difference, God. <laughs> Sunday didn't make no difference, God. God. And I had to pray. I needed people to pray with me and encourage me and strengthen me and worship with me and consider where I'm at and bless me, not cast aspersions my way, not look at me while I'm down, but to tell me, hey, I'm here with you, and we're going to walk through this together. You're going to get through this. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose on your life. God wants to use you. I'm thankful for those that encourage. Get around those church mamas that just know how to pray. Ain't in no rush. Praise God. I ain't gonna get on, I don't get on this. But sometimes we can get in a rush. 
But you, 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 can't, you can't rush some things. You, you, you know when you get around those people that really love people. They just focused and they locked in. They just kind of right there with this. I praise God. Sarah knows I am germ aware. I'm not a germaphobe, but I'm germ aware. Now, if we didn't have things like hot water and soap and hand sanitizer, which, by the way, hand sanitizer is not washing your hands. I need a little bit more support on that. Praise God. Praise God. Hand sanitizer is not cleaning your hands. Okay, praise God. You need some hot water and soap. And you need to go through A through Z. It's an A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Yes. Now I know my hands are clean. <laughs> this is important. I forgot what I was saying. Praise God. Yes, germ aware. Thank you, Lord. He knows I'm germ aware. But here's what's interesting. When you love somebody, I pray with people. Man, I ain't worried about that. Because I've been there. I'm talking about, man, I, it's not just hanging. It's not just hanging. I don't, I don't want them to have to worry about the snot. I remember Sarah was up there singing a song, and I'm praying with people. I get a tissue. I just take the snot like this. Just get it right off the nose. Sarah like, she's like, I know that's the Lord. That's the Lord. I just been just like this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what am I saying? That's because you love people. When you love people, you don't care about that stuff. When you love them, you know there's more at stake than the AB. I got to wash my hands. I'll wash my hands later. Why? Because God is moving in somebody's life. And I want to be a part of that. Can somebody say Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful. And I've come. Let me just say this. This is in my notes. I'm going to say it because I wrote it down earlier. I've come to rebuke that unmerciful spirit and tell you at this house, grace will flow like a river. Mercy will triumph over judgment. And I send that spirit back to the pit of hell from which it came, that spirit of religion that's tried to run off the harvest. God is going to give us a Lazarus generation. The next thing I want to mention here that's happening at this house, stick with me. The first person in the house was who that we mentioned? Lazarus. And we celebrate Lazarus's resurrection, right? But there's another character in this story, and her name is Martha. Now, historically speaking, boy, if you've been in church circles, we talk about Martha like a dog. We run her through the mud. She always got to be doing something, always up in this and always up in that. She's so busy. And can I just stop and take a praise break for some Marthas? See, it's uncomfortable. We don't even know how to praise God for this anymore. But the Bible says something powerful about Martha. It gives it to us in a one-word explanation. Put up John chapter 12, verse 2 in the New Living. It says it in other translations too, but I want our media team, I want you to see this. Praise God. John 12, chapter 2. That's one, verse 2. Praise God. That's okay. They're going to get it. Thank you, Jesus. Give it up for the media team. Look at this right here. Dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha. I'm getting ready. Thank God for the Marthas of the world. Where are the Marthas in the house who will serve? 
I know, I know, I know. We, we, we live in a day and age where people want to be served and we want to consume and it's all about us and make me comfortable and roll out the red carpet and we want you to feel comfortable and you matter here. But I come to tell you, we've come to serve. We did not come to consume. we come to contribute and make a difference. And I'm here to declare one reason why Jesus loves this house is because Martha served. Ooh. Can you see people coming to a feast, a party? That's the Akil Thompson authorized translation. And Lazarus is there. The disciples are there. Everybody hanging out. They joking, laughing. And I can't imagine the conversation. Like, man, Lazarus, I can't believe we were all, you, you walked up out of that tomb. The stone, they have come, and that's great. But after about 45 minutes, they might be like, man, I mean, I'm rejoicing in the miracle, but I sure would enjoy rejoicing some nourishment. It's something, we, we got a little something, it's something, it's something happening, we got something to eat, we got something to work on. But ain't nobody worried about that. No, 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 no. Thank God for the Marthas that will serve. Praise God. He didn't save you so you could just come to church and get. That, it ain't all about you, praise God. At some point, you got to get filled up and say, hey, y'all, Jesus is coming to the house today, and we got to make a meal. We got babies we got to take care of. We got to get this house in order. We got chairs we got to set up. We got cameras, and we got people we got to greet. There's a party going on. Praise God. You might be quiet, but can I tell you, God is still blessing a servant's spirit. Woo, he's still opening up doors for people who will serve, who will serve. I could camp right here for, let me, you know what, I might as well. I'll just stay right here for a minute because y'all not talking back to me. So I need, I feel like I need to lean on this thing a little bit. But you know what, you know why we have to learn to serve? Because hear me, when servants will see things before others will see it. Okay, I'm going to show you. You go back. Remember when the Israel was in a place of no rain, and the prophet, the prophet, who was the one who saw the rain? Not the prophet. The prophet heard, heard the rain. But you know who saw it? The servant. Praise God. The man of God said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain, but he didn't see it. He sent the servant, and the servant went up to Mount Carmel, and he goes, and he, he's looking, comes back. He's like, man of God, uh, I ain't seen anything. He said, go back again. Now, this wasn't like going up to Danville Park. It's a mountain. I mean, he wasn't like, you know. Oh, this wasn't a molehill. This was a mountain. This man climbed up and was like, Lord, I, 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 I'm sure on day two, he's probably like, I better see something. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Come climb down. Come back. Man of God, I ain't seen anything, but I, I told you, I hear the sound. Goes back. He goes back how many times? Seven times. Why? What does seven represent? The number of completion. See, you don't understand. When you are serving where you are called to serve, and once the assignment is fulfilled, I don't know when it's going to be fulfilled, but once it is fulfilled, something's going to open up in the spirit, and what's already been happening in the spirit is going to manifest itself in the natural, and you're going to see what the man of God, what the woman of God declared prophetically over your life. Now is not the time to give up. Now was not the time to stop serving. We got babies to serve, and we got kids that got to be taught, and we got people that got to be greeted, and we got people that got to be welcomed when they pull into the the parking lot. We need people to help us set up and break down. We need people to help with baptisms. We need people to help with, oh, I can go down the list. We need people that are willing to serve. God will come to a house of servants.
I'm thankful for the Marys. So we celebrate with Lazarus. We serve with Mary. Or Martha, excuse me. Y'all was quick on that thing. Thank you, Jesus. But then there's another character I want to talk about for just a moment. I'll wrap it up. She's interesting. Because you wonder how she happened to feel in this space. Depending upon the theologian commentaries that you read, some might deduce and conclude, and some have, that this Mary was troubled. That this Mary lived an interesting life, a life that was filled with promiscuity and issues. And she had challenges, and she finds herself in a space in front of religious people, not Jesus, but I'm talking about the disciples, and one in particular who is vocal about this, um, and, and, and she is not concerned about everybody else. It's, it's interesting how she positions herself to where she's no longer worried about everybody else. She's only arrested by Jesus. And the person I'm talking about is, is Mary. You know, when, here's what I want to say. Mary didn't live a cute, uh, dignified life before she came to know the Lord. Uh, but you all know how we do today. If you've been living for the Lord any amount of time, some of you will act like you've been saved your whole life. I'm stunned. I'm stunned how we can forget what he pulled us out of. It's like when somebody, when you testify, it's like you giving them the sterilized G-rated version. Somehow you skip over the fact that you would be so drunk you don't even know how you got where you got. You, you, you skip over the fact that you were wiping the vomit off your face and you, you, you skip over the fact that you went from bed to bed to bed. How, how is it that our testimonies get so clean? How is it that when people say, well, how did you find God? Well, you know, I just, I've always loved the Lord. <laughs> and, and, and people are like, well, man, I, I say, well, you know, uh, how, how did you learn to read the Bible? How did you, well, I've just been doing this all my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, well I, I, I noticed you, you got a social media account, but you're not really on social. Well, why do I want to be on there when I can just read the Bible? <laughs> like, all you do is watch The Chosen. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting how your before Christ can be so palatable, so pleasant, so chaos-free. No hints of despair, dysfunction, abuse, addiction. Like you ain't never, like you came out of the womb speaking in other tongues. Like you came out of the womb laying hands on people. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. The, the Bible is the truth, and it tells the truth about people. And we all have issues. Pardon me, but I remember sitting in an abortion clinic. I, pardon me, but I remember being drunk holding on to a toilet. Pardon me, I remember contemplating for a brief moment, should I take my life? Pardon me, but... You think I'm going to sit and be cute and give people a sterilized version when I know they're in the same dilemma that I'm in? When I think of the goodness of Jesus, how he picked me up and turned me around, filled me with his spirit, delivered me from dysfunction and heartache, separated me as far as my sins, as far as the east are from the west. And you think I'll be cute and be like, oh, yes, yes, yes. The devil is a lie. I'll run, I'll shout, I'll hoop, I'll holler, I'll dance, I'll cry, I'll wave, I'll run, I'll kneel, but I'll thank him because a kill who was once dead is now alive in him. And I'm looking at a bunch of other people who understand the same thing. You used to be bound by addictions cocaine and crack. You used to be high on marijuana and you used to be hungover and didn't know where you were, but God in his mercy came to you. 
You didn't find him. He came to you in your mess. You and yet we want to sit and be like, well, I've been in church all my life. There's something about somebody who's grateful. Who says, oh, gratitude, this, this never gets old. Every time I enter into his presence, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm stunned when I wake up that it's his breath in my lungs. I'm, 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 I'm stunned that I'm in my right mind. I, I, I'm stunned that I look and I've got... Sarah and I've got my kids and I've got a roof over my head. I'm stunned that the way that I used to talk and the way that I used to think and the things that I was bound by, I'm no longer bound by. Gratitude is not just optional, it's reflexive for me. Because when I think of his goodness and how he saved me, I can't sit still and I can't be cute and I can't be dignified. I've got to let him know he means the world to me. And here's where it gets crazy, fam. Have you ever, uh, like, uh, some of y'all work, and some of us work hard. Hopefully everybody here works hard. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody here work hard? I believe Nadine when she said it, praise God. I think Nadine in the back, like, I work hard. Thank you. Craig is like, I work hard. Praise God. Now. Imagine working hard for a year, setting aside that money. And then, all of that money that you, can, can you imagine what you could do with one year's salary? Imagine right now, depending upon what your compensation is, if I just came and put one year's salary in your lap, what, 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 that would be a game changer. That would be a game changer. Some of y'all ready to do that? That stanky leg, boy, that stanky leg. Praise God. I don't know if that's the stanky leg. I just made that. If the stanky leg is a dance, I didn't know that, and I don't want anybody to do it. Praise God. Some of don't sound good about the stanky leg unless it's like this. Praise God. But imagine, imagine taking a year's worth of your salary, going to a store and buying a gift that costs every bit of that salary. Bringing it to a house and giving it to someone. This is where Mary finds herself. Mary finds herself in such gratitude that she goes and gets this nard, this fragrance, this oil, and it's cost her one year's worth of salary. It's so obvious that it's extravagant that every person in the house can realize it cost her something. So much so that one disciple in particular, Judas, says, this is a year's salary. This brother was so good with the numbers. <laughs> he was like, I know what that cost Mary. And what he was thinking is, well, we, we, we should give that to the poor. Said the religious person. When the reality of it is he wanted that in that collection box so he could just, I mean, John, John called him a thief. I ain't, I ain't say that. You can take it up with the Bible. And so people are looking, and what she decides to do is radical. Now, watch this. She pours, she breaks open this box, and here she is at the feet of Jesus, and people are beginning to accuse her. Isn't it interesting? that the religious will accuse the worshiper. But a real worshiper doesn't have to worry about the accusations because the Lord will defend you. 
You can talk about my praise, and you can talk about my hand clapping, and you can talk about my running and my crying and my hooping and my hollering all you want to. You didn't die for me. You didn't wash my sins. You didn't heal my body. You, did, you weren't there when I needed you, but when I called on the name of the Lord, he heard my cry. He rescued me. He healed me and delivered me. So I will yet praise him. And here's what's crazy. He begins, and you know what? We're going to wrap it up. Come on, come on. Our musicians will come. But he'll, he, he, she begins to pour this out. And something fascinating happens. One, Jesus defends her. Says, leave her alone. What she's doing is unto me. Can I tell you, this worship that cost you something will be a memorial. He says, see, when worship costs you something, you never forget it. When it costs you something, it costs her everything. And the Lord said, what she's doing is unto me. It's a mo it'll be a memorial. He says, whenever this gospel is preached, Mary will be talked about. This act of worship. Here's where it gets crazy. Watch this. When she opens it up, the aroma fills the house. Jesus lets us know something. He says, what she's doing is preparing me for my burial. See, your worship, oh, your worship will fill the house with a fragrance. <laughs> And it will get the attention of everybody. But here's where it gets crazy. That oil that she poured on him kept, was with him. Was with him when he was being beaten. Was with him when he was being hung. Whenever he walked through the streets on the way to Golgotha's skull, they could smell the oil that she put on his life. Worship cost you something. Worship. Worship. Why don't you just begin to lift your hands and worship him? Come on, why don't you just begin to pour out your heart? Why don't you just begin to thank him? Why don't you just begin to honor him and bless him? Come on, why don't you get to that point of that place where it's, it's personal. You're not worried about your neighbor, but you're, you're kind of leaning into something and you realize something is different. Come on, you want to know who Extraordinary Church is? We will be a house of worshipers where the presence of God will come in. Now here is the difference. Mary does something that's different. Let me just help you out right now. I'm not here to provoke anybody. I'm not here to cajole anybody. But I do want you to know this. The Bible tells us she gets down at his feet. Take, I don't have any hair, praise God. That's why I did the visual. Bible says that she takes her hair down. She's weeping at his feet. She's drying his soaked feet from her tears with her hair. You know the scripture says that a woman's hair is her glory. You know what she was doing, Pastor B? She said, it ain't about me. She said, she was putting her pride. It ain't about me. It's about you, Lord. It's about you. It's about you. It's always been about you. It'll never stop being about you. You're, you're my obsession. You're my everything. And that worship transcended. Can I tell you? You want to know when your praise transcends into worship? When you abandon pride. I'm going to tell you a funny story and then I'm going to close. But I'll never forget this because it changed my life. It was those, one of those worship moments that cost me 
was in my house. I was by myself. And many of you all heard me tell the story. And the Lord, I've always had a hunger for the Lord. I, I, I love music. I, 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 love, I love worship, every genre of worship music. And I was, I was by myself, and this is back in the day when speakers were like this tall from the floor to praise God. And the Lord had challenged me. He said, turn the music up. And I was glad to do that. You know, I turned the music up, praise God. And I, that, wasn't, that wasn't uncommon for me. But here was the invitation. He said, I want you to shout hallelujah unto me. Now, I had never done that before. Here's where I knew it was going to cost me something. Instead of immediately responding to him and saying, hallelujah, you know what I did? I ran upstairs to see who was home. I was like this. Khalid, Camila, mom, y'all home? I knew they weren't home. I come back downstairs and the Lord is waiting on me like, mm-hmm. You know why? He said, you know why you didn't do it when I told you to do it immediately? He said, pride. And you would think I would have gotten it. And I would have immediately said, hallelujah, like I wanted to. But you know what I did? I eased my way into it. And I was like, hallelujah. Like waiting for the glory to fall. And then I was like, oh, hallelujah. And I was like, I'm just looking, right? Is this it, Jesus? And the whole time I knew this was not it. I had to stop easing in. You all have heard me tell you this illustration before, but it's just like when you go, why? this is crazy. Why do we go to a pool? To go swim. To go swim. Okay? But what we do, here's what we do when we go to the pool. We go to the pool to swim. But we be like this, is it cold? Everybody else having a good time. We like this, woo! Why did you go to the pool? To get your feet wet? We like that, ooh. We, we, we're waiting like, I'm coming up. Everybody else in there like this, having a good time. And they'll even splash you. And you're like, don't get me wet. I'm sorry. I thought we was at the pool. Why are we here? Why did you come to church today? Did you come just to get a little, a little touch? Or did you come to jump in? So you know what I did? I shouted with everything that I had. I was like this, hallelujah! I did, and I did it so long, and the next thing I know, the glory of God began to fill that place. And I had experienced something like I had never felt before in my life. I began to fall down on my knees and lift my hands and tears were flowing and the Spirit of God was moving and God was beginning to do something because I had abandoned my pride. I want us all to stand. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to just lift our hands. I want to do something that I've, I've never done before in this sense. I, I want to let you know, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you're looking for a change today, you don't have to look, wait next week. You don't have to get your affairs in order. You can do that today. You don't have to delay. We have people with lanyards that'll be glad to help you and inform you of what that next step is in your faith. If you've never received the Spirit of God and you've been seeking it, or uh, can I tell you, God will fill you with His Spirit. If you've never made a decision to live for Christ and you wanna make that decision, in other words, you wanna repent of your sins, all of heaven will rejoice and all of extraordinary church will rejoice. If that's you today, this altar is for you. 
but there's somebody else in this place today who hears the heartbeat of this house. This altar is for you. This altar is for you. And if you want to come, I'm not here to, to say you, you have to do this and you have to do that. But what I do want to tell you is draw the line in the sand. Put a step forward and say, God, I'm going to pour everything out on you. I, I, I've come here, Lord, and I don't want to just feel you. I want to be overwhelmed by your glory. I don't want to just have a goosebump, God, but I, I want to leave drenched in your spirit, God. I'm not satisfied with anything else, Lord. I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life. Lord, every time you don't just satisfy me, you, Lord God, you fulfill me. You're everything that I want and then some. And one encounter with you leads to the desire for more, God. And I know you're inexhaustible. There's somebody in this place today that is willing to pour out their oil and break open that box and offer God some worship that will cost them something. Well, they'll push aside and say, I'm not worried about what's on the right or the left, but God, I'll dance for you if you want me to dance. God, I'll sing for you if you want me to sing. I'll kneel, I'll cry, I'll weep, I'll holler, I'll jump, I'll, but I'll do whatever you want me to do to bring you glory because you are my king. Would you come if that's your desire? Would you come? I honor all of you that are online. The house is packed here. Come on and join us next Sunday. Get in here so you don't miss this. God's going to move. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.